Welcome, welcome everyone to The Enthusiast Life. I am your host, Mark Turcotte. I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your day. Well, my friends, we made it. It is Friday, August 21st, 2020. And yes, it's the end of the week. It is the third Avengers beta weekend. So if you want to get in and check the game out on whatever platform you want to check it out on, you can. I actually plan on checking it out on PC. I'd like to see how it runs on my PC. See if my PC can handle this thing on the high settings and just maybe get, get a glimpse of what that thing will look like uh, you know, when it comes out on uh, those next-gen consoles uh, to see. But of course, I am, yes, playing on the PlayStation 4 because I gotta go in with Spider-Man. But uh, before we get rolling here, guys, as always, don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Turk. That's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. And of course, you can email the show at theenthuselife at gmail.com. And if you want to help support the show, you can find a link to our Patreon down below in the show notes. Big thanks to everybody I talked to over the last few days recording for our latest Patreon episode. I always love chatting with you guys. You guys are awesome. It's like the highlight of my month every month. So a big thank you for that. And if you don't support, uh, you will actually be getting that podcast next week. I'm going to release it next week because we did record it a little bit late this month. Um, so, of course, if you always want to get it early, you can become a Patreon by following that link. And, uh, you know, like I said, the, the show will be coming out next month for everyone else. And believe me, we had some good topics. And a quick spoiler alert, you know I've been talking about Marvel Avengers a lot. And so have my patrons as well. So there's <laughs> there's definitely some more Marvel Avengers chat on that patron episode. But let's jump in here, guys. Um I went ahead and gave Battletoads a download, because why not, right? It is a uh, free game on Game Pass. I say free game. I mean, you're paying for Game Pass, but it's included on Game Pass because it is a Microsoft first-party game developed by Rare, and if you're not familiar with the Battletoads series, um, it's an old-school beat-em-up style game. It originally came out, uh, I think, back in 1991, so it's an old, old game um, that I remember as a kid, like... My buddy, I never owned it, but my buddy down the street had it. I remember like vividly a weekend spending the night at his house, like both nights, Friday and a Saturday night, and playing this game and just banging our heads against the wall on some of these levels. There's a speeder bike level that is just a, a nightmare <laughs> in there. And I love watching like summer's games done quick and you see people play those levels, especially that one, flawlessly and just burn right through the game. But as a kid, I mean, it was it was rough. Um, but it was, you know, kind of in that vein of like a double dragon or a streets of rage, you know, at the time, those were the games that everybody played. And the cool thing to, for me as a kid with Battletoads was that it had that vibe of like the Ninja Turtles. Like it, you could basically take the Battletoads, put them in the, the Ninja Turtles universe and they would fit like no problem. Like, I don't know if it's been done, but we need to have a Battletoads Ninja Turtles crossover because, it, they, it would just be amazing. IDW has been doing all these comics with the Turtles crossing over with Batman and, you know, He-Man, Masters of the Universe and all these things. Get the Battletoads in with the Ninja Turtles. Like, they would fit perfect. And with this game, what they really wanted to do was kind of be that spiritual successor to that. And it's still a side-scrolling beat-em-up. The art style is great. The Toads themselves are, and even the enemies are, like, somewhat cel-shaded. But the environments themselves are 3D. There are some hand-drawn bits to it, um, but it looks so good. I actually was playing it on the PC. I don't know what the frame rate really is on the consoles, but on the PC, um, it looks awesome. And the writing for the game, like the game kind of starts out with you kind of old school 
battle toads kind of going through just a typical level but then you come to find out they've been stuck in this like virtual world basically stuck in the 90s and there's just some guy who's like a construction worker finds them down in this hole and like they pull them out and suddenly then the battle toads just need to exist in our modern world and at, you know at one point there's these little mini games they have you doing where like one of the toads is trying to become a, a masseuse the other one is just working at in an office and he keeps kind of overhearing what people are talking about by the water cooler and it, but it's this whole little mini game that they kind of throw in there um the combat is definitely a bit button mashy i mean it is really there's you have x I, i'm i'm talking xbox here there's x where you're punching uh y kind of does a launch so you can kind of launch people up there are some enemies who uh put up shields so you actually have to break that so you have to hold b and that's kind of like a real big power punch to kind of bust through that shield to then start being able to do damage um you have a dodge a quick dodge so there are some enemies that will come at you and you have to dodge at the right time to stun them um but what the game does is as you move through the levels they'll start throwing waves. So you'll have suddenly like six or seven enemies on screen at once. So you kind of have to utilize everything at once where you're getting these tells of when enemies are going to attack you. So you have to quickly dodge and dash, attack a little bit, or, you know, maybe dodge out of the way to stun one enemy, quickly hit one, then quickly dodge back to quickly hit that stunned enemy before they kind of come out of their stun. Um, it's neat. It's a lot of fun. I've been playing just on the normal mode um, and have been, you know, presently surprised at, just the, um, the 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 fun that I'm having with the writing. It's 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 just a fun, almost like a Saturday morning cartoon. It kind of reminds me of that mindset. If you remember back to getting up early on Saturdays and just turning on the TV and just watching show after show after show, and you know, just in that '90s vein of uh, just the spirit of the '90s is completely infused in this game from start to finish. I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's almost like there are moments, believe me, where you need to be engaged. And you can't just, you know, sit back and let the let the action happen on screen. You have to be on your toes, uh, moving around and constantly just keeping track of what's happening on the screen. I mean, even at some points they have you jumping. There's a way to you use your tongue because you're a toad to swing back on these hooks to get to like the backside of the screen, almost like uh, the Donkey Kong, the recent Donkey Kong Country Returns or uh, Tropical Freeze did on the Switch, where you're kind of going back and forth on the different planes. You even have to do that at points where there's enemies back there and you have to do that. Um, it even has moments where there's like little puzzles for you to progress through. So you get to uh, the level I'm on now. I'm getting to a point where there's these doors that are locked and I have to solve a small little puzzle to open those doors with switches and gates and things like that. Um, it's just a lot of fun. Now, the the interesting bit here, and this is kind of you know where I wanted to kind of steer this conversation just away from the game itself, is here's a game. It's 20 bucks. I never would have bought this game for $20 and probably never would have played this game um, unless maybe by chance it went on sale like Christmas for, you know, $4.99 or whatever it was. Maybe I would have jumped in at that point. For $20, there's no way that I would have played this game because, sure, I have that nostalgia for Battletoads and that's really what led me into wanting to play the game. But, you know, I just know this game is what it is. It's it's a side-scrolling brawler. I mean, you can look at the reviews and it's getting mediocre reviews People are trashing it because it should be a, a first-party, amazing first-party Xbox game. And, oh, this is what Xbox is putting out. And, you know, Sony is putting out Last of Us 2 and Ghost of Tsushima. And it's like, I, I get that. But in the same sense, for me, because the game is included in Game Pass, 
this is the type of game that should be on Game Pass. It's a game that I get to jump in for that nostalgia. I get to have some fun. It was unexpected that I was going to, you know, enjoy it as much as I was. And in the end, I'll walk away and say, wow, that was a great, fun game. I'm, I'm Right now, I'm getting to be a part of the conversation. People are talking about Battletoads because that's a new game that is out that is somewhat fun to play. And people are enjoying it at least on that level where some people are finding some fun in it. And um, I don't know, like this is the type of game that should be on Game Pass. And it, to me, it shows the power of Game Pass and why Game Pass is such a brilliant idea that it's you can have things like that. This is like almost like when you get that random Netflix show that comes out that suddenly people just jump all over. Nobody knew what Tiger King was going to be before it came out. Nobody knew what Making a Murderer was. Hell, nobody even really knew what Stranger Things was going to be. And then they jumped in. Now, granted, I'm not saying Battletoads is the Stranger Things of Game Pass, but it is, I would say, the Tiger King, where it's like it's something that comes out real quick, is a quick phenomenon for a week or two, and then everybody's moved on. That's where we are with Battletoads. Right now, people are talking Battletoads. We're playing Battletoads. It's cool. It's fun. In a week or so, we're going to be moving on, looking towards what's coming out next. And that, to me, I think is the beauty of what Game Pass is going to do and why most people should be, if you're a gamer, you should be in that ecosystem. And I know I'm sounding like a big ad here for Game Pass, but like really, it, it is a no-brainer for situations like this. There are so many studios that have signed on. I mean, even that game I talked about the other day from the Nintendo event, that Spirit Fair, it's on Game Pass. I had no clue. Still haven't had a chance to jump in there, but I want to. But hey, it's another game just thrown in there that just just pops on and, and you know surprises you when, it, when, it, when it's there. Um, but hey, back to game Battletoads. If you have any nostalgia for that series, jump in and play it. And I will say as well, get at least through that first level. Cause I, I almost, I was playing it and I was like, oh man, like this, this is cool, but it's, it's just going to be this. Once you get past that first level and you get to some of those mini games, then that's when it really hooked me in. And I was like, okay, I see what we're doing here. And I, I'm in. I want to play this thing to the end because I just want to. It's just fun. It's just a fun game um, that uh, I think you know a lot of people would enjoy, especially if you are a '90s kid and kind of from that era uh, and can remember those Saturday morning cartoons or even just the original Battletoads series. Like even if you didn't ever play Battletoads, I think you could still get something out of this, especially if you were you know from that era of just those those cartoons. It's just great. Uh, yesterday we also did get. Um, I think it leaked first, and then Sony uh, just kind of put this out, a new um, trailer for the PlayStation 5, showing some of the new features of the controller with the hepatic feedback, showing the 3D audio, um, the hepatic feedback you're going to get from, you know, just different things you're using in the game. And so they went ahead and put up a post over on uh, the Sony blog or the PlayStation blog talking about, uh, from actually from different developers of games, talking about how they're utilizing um, this... Um, the system that the, the controller is able to do to improve their games and improve the gaming experience. So I want to go through some of these because they're pretty interesting. So because if you haven't seen this, the first one is from uh, Gavin Moore. Uh, he's a creative director of uh, Japan Studio, and he's talking about uh, like Demon Souls. And he says, uh, when metal strikes metal, when your block or when your foes block your attacks or you block theirs, that's the extra sensory feedback through the controller that allows you to know your hit hit home and your perfectly timed parry was a success. So you can react faster and more decisively. Or decisively. He says, uh, this is something that Rumble could never do. It could never replicate the feeling of metal striking metal or fire crackling in your hand as you fire magic. Now, uh, over at Insomniac, of course, the developers of Miles, Miles Morales, they said, uh, we'll be hinting to players which direction attacks are coming from by providing hepatic feedback from the appropriate direction on the DualSense wireless controller. 
So you're literally going to have your Spidey sense in your hands. That's crazy, right? To be able to have that. I mean, you think right now we've had like the Arkham games and even Spider-Man going back and playing it. You kind of see the little, you know, blip on the screen in the direction it's coming from. But imagine being able to feel that in your hands, the direction it's coming from. And I, I would love to feel like, you know, a lot of games when you're listening for like 3D positional audio and you kind of pan the camera in 3D space, you hear the audio kind of go around. Will we be able to do that with our hands and feel that in our hands? Like that, wait, they're not in front of me now, they're behind me by feeling on the controller which direction they're coming from? It's crazy. I can't, I can't imagine that. He says, like, as you hold down square to do a venom punch, you feel Spider-Man's bioelectricity crackle across from the left side of the controller, culminating into the right side of the controller on impact. That's crazy, man. That, that, that's wild. Uh, Arcane, the guys behind Deathloop, they had this to say. They said, we do a lot of things to make weapons feel differently from one another. One I like is blocking the triggers when your weapon jams to give to the player or give the player an immediate feedback even before the animation plays out, which prompts the player in a physical way that they have to unjam their gun. Uh, let's see, Ratchet and Clank, they mentioned um, something similar to that. They said, you need a bigger blast. Pull the trigger through that resistance point and you'll fire both barrels at the same time uh even horizon forbidden west director he says uh the triggers are going to help us to make the weapons feel even more unique and satisfying to use so bottom line here these this controller this dual sense controller is going to be a game changer it sounds like i mean i remember when the xbox one came out and they said they were putting in i think it was nintendo that called it hd rumble so this was before that but they were talking about like gran turismo and being able to or not gran turismo i'm, I'm thinking sony here talking um with forza and you're going to be able to feel like, you know, the, the rumble strips and then on the ground. And, and it's there. Like, you can feel that. That the rumble on an Xbox One controller was better than the rumble we had the, the generation before. Um, if you've played, oh, I can't think of the game now. It's that mini game on the Switch where you're holding the Joy-Cons and comp competing against each other. But there, there's a game on the Switch. It was a launch title. Um that did that with the joy cons where you could you kind of had to feel like how many of these little like metal balls were within the um joy con and it worked pretty well you could actually feel the balls kind of rolling around in there and it was all just done with rumble and, and gyros in there but you were able to feel that and i think that's kind of what this is going to be like my only fear with something like this um is the possibility that you know i mean the one a couple of these folks have mentioned like resistance be, and I'm not going to say that I'm old and that old gamer is going to have this problem. But if that is going to be too much, you know, your fingers are going to start getting sore. Like, are we going to have to build like new finger muscles to play these games? And I know that sounds silly and, and crazy. But if you're thinking about it, if you're playing a game like Horizon where you're consistently using a bow as your weapon and they're constantly putting resistance into that. Because um, you know there's going to be certain weapons that are going to give you more resistance. Or even Arcane talking about your gun jamming. Like, and you got to work your way kind of through that to unjam it and you're constantly firing firing and then suddenly you can't push anymore and then you got to push yourself through that resistance to break it that's going to get a little bit tiresome i think after some time so it's going to be interesting to see how how well these studios use it the response that gamers have to it and is it possible to have different degrees of that or even just shut it off like some players may just not want to have trigger resistance like can can i just say i don't want trigger resistance but I do want, you know, the rumble that'll be there so I can feel that 3D audio rumbleness of the, you know, of the DualSense controller. Can I do that? I hope I can because, you know, to some extent it might get a little bit tiresome, I think, after some time. Um, or can you just blatantly shut it off? Which then begs the question that I had before of can we just 
you know, why can't we use our PS4 controllers for it if we're just shutting that off? If, if the main selling point of this controller is all this stuff, if someone wants to just shut it off, why can't we use those controllers? I understand it's a new, it's a new uh, console and it is what it is. That's how every console generation before has been that you use the new hardware with the new hardware, right? And so I'm not saying that it's, it's a knock against the PlayStation because of that, but with Microsoft using a selling point of the controllers, this could be, that's a selling point that Sony could take away if they jumped on that. But, you know, in the end, I think the DualSense, man, after reading this blog, sounds super, super exciting. Because as of right now, we, as far as we know, Microsoft's doing nothing with that. That may be something two years down the line when we get the new um, kind of version of the Series X. That may be something that comes. Or maybe they do put out a, a controller at some point that says, hey, if you have a Series X and you're running the top-of-the-line Series X version of that game then maybe your controller will be able to do things like that. But until then, right now, this is this is all we have. Uh, one more quick little video game story. This was a, a game that came out, a uh, trailer was put out on the internet of this game called Black Myth Wukong. It's a uh, Chinese-developed game. It's coming from um, a developer that I've, I've never heard of. It's actually a, an indie studio, um, I guess, uh, over in uh, China. And they released this game. And, you know, Wukong obviously is uh, a Chinese character from the story journey to the west which i've even mentioned it here on the show before dragon ball is inspired by journey to the west it's a very prominent story in chinese culture and in a lot of video games i'm sure if you've played uh any video game like even like fortnite or uh, maybe gonna say paragon there is always some version or even league of legends any of those games there's always a version of wukong within that he's like the monkey king basically and uh this action rpg trailer, I mean, it's more of a gameplay trailer, it's like 13 minutes long, was put out for this Black Myth Wukong game, and oh my god, this game looks amazing, like it is is an incredible action RPG, it looks like a myth, uh, like a mix between Dark Souls, but not as like technical, much more of an RPG, like action style game that isn't as, as t- and when I say not, like as technical, where you're, you're having to you know, time your attacks as much. It just looks more like you're just playing more of a, a third-person action game. But the visuals on this thing, the the resolution on the textures and all that make this game look like it is, you know, top-of-the-line next-gen game that's going to hit the PC, hit the PS5, and be a Series X exclusive. Yet, yet it says this game was developed on Unreal Engine 4, not Unreal Engine 5. <laughs> What are we doing, people? Like, if we can put games out like this, get on it. Like, let, what are we doing? Like, let's get this these games pumped out. I I love that this trailer is there. Um, go watch it if you get a chance. It it just looks stellar and something that I want to play. And, and I mean, it just ran across the internet yesterday. Um, I woke up and I think I got a, a quick quick little tweet. I think uh, my phone kind of alerted me that this new trailer was out, and then I just watched it, and then I just started going through my feed, and everybody was talking about it yesterday. So uh, go check it out, Black Myth Wukong. It shows you what the future of video games can be. I mean, kind of like that Unreal Engine 5 um, gameplay demo that Sony did with uh, Epic, and it kind of showed you the graphic fidelity that we're, we should expect in next gen. This delivers that, and you'll get why. Like You watch that, and it's like, I want my games to look like that from now on. Not to say that games today, games like Last of Us 2 or even Ghost of Tsushima don't look great, but when you see every little tiny, teeny, tiny you know, detail in this, that's what our games are going to look like. 
you'll know what I mean. And, and you'll be on the same page. Like, yeah, I need my games to look like that. Cause it looks incredible. All right. Well, switching gears, let's switch over to uh, some movie slash comic news. And we did learn that Ben Affleck will be reprising his role as Batfleck. No, as Batman in uh, the upcoming Flash movie, uh, which was very, very surprising. I think people thought Ben Affleck was done playing Batman, but no, he is coming back. And the reason they're saying he is, is that Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne um, is going to be able to have this kind of emotional connection um, in, in kind of parts of the script in that with Ezra Miller's Barry Allen, of course, as, as the Flash. Um, and they kind of go on to say that, you know, he, and here's, I'm going to kind of read this. They said that he's a very substantial part of the emotional impact of the movie. The interaction and relationship between Barry and Affleck's Wayne will bring an emotional level that we haven't seen before. It's Barry's movie. It's Barry's story. But their characters are more related than we think. They both lost their mothers to murder, and that's one of the emotional vessels of the movie. That's where the Affleck Batman kicks in. He says his Batman has a dichotomy that is very strong, which is his masculinity, because of the way he looks and the imposing figure that he has and his jawline. But he's also very vulnerable. He knows how to deliver from the inside out that vulnerability. He just needs a story that allows him to bring that contrast and that balance. Um, so I think that's great, having that Ben Affleck Batman, because that was one of the things, like for me personally... Ben Affleck was a great Bruce Wayne, even though you look at him and it was like, is Ben Affleck playing Bruce Wayne? But he just, you know, when you first, when we first see him in the films and in his kind of origin story to going against Superman and Batman versus Superman is Superman completely destroyed a whole building and, and killed so many of his employees. So you saw that emotion there delivered and from an actor who we know can deliver on things like that. So I think putting him kind of as that mentor role to, to um, you know, this version of the Flash, this Barry Allen, I think is great. And, and by connecting it with that loss of a parent, you know, I mean, obviously you can see a scene where they're just talking and Allen is in tears crying. And then, you know, we get this great emotional scene of Ben Affleck probably doing the same crying and, and remembering the moment he lost his parents. Um, I think it'd be really, really neat. Now, obviously... We have the new movie coming up, The Batman, with a different actor with, uh, what's his name, Pattinson um, playing Batman. Um, that's a very different take. And when he mentions kind of the imposing figure, that Batman, it, to me, is not going to be an imposing Batman, nor should he be. I mean, right, that that Batman, as far as you know, is kind of an early stage Batman. So he's not up to the point where, where Affleck is, where he is. He's, he's a seasoned Batman. Um so I think it's going to be great to kind of kind of explore that, and I almost wonder how much of this was um, decided because we're learning that it seems like Ben Affleck only got this script like a week or two ago. It was very very recent. It wasn't like this has been planned. I mean, maybe the the directors and the writers had him him planned or had his version of Batman in their minds the whole time. Um, but I almost wonder like the success of Joker and how well Joaquin Phoenix emotionally brought that character to the screen. Did that have to play in this decision? Is Are they saying like, all right, we need to make sure we're bringing some fantastic actors. And even on top of that, what we've seen in the MCU, you know, and how emotional things like Endgame were able to be with some star-studded actors in there and being able to deliver some of those emotional bits. Maybe here they said, you know what, <laughs> we can't just go for anybody to play these roles we need true true quality actors to do that so i'm on board for this i'm, I'm really looking forward to what this um this movie's gonna be because for what it's worth like as as much of a big mcu fan i am i am always still rooting for the dc 
universe. And I'm still always going to watch those movies. I mean, when I'm flipping through the channels and Batman vs. Superman is on, I watch it. Or Justice League is on, I watch it. Like, they're not the greatest, but I still enjoy them. Like, I still really enjoy those movies. So uh, I'm interested to see uh, kind of where that goes. Um, now, speaking of Marvel and the MCU, we did get some sneak peeks at the Avengers Campus over at Disneyland. If you weren't unaware, Disney's been building uh, the Avengers Campus, a new area over at Disneyland that is going to be all Spider-Man, or not Spider-Man, all Marvel-themed. Um, and uh, the Quinjet has arrived, my friends. I remember when we got this with the Millennium Falcon and we got those pictures of the Millennium Falcon being at Galaxy's Edge. Well, we got a very nice picture from Walt Disney Imagineering saying, continued progress on Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventure Park with the arrival of the Quinjet and new attraction insignia for Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Because there is a Spider-Man adventure coming uh, to the park, and so we also got the insignia of that. But yes, there is a real-life Quinjet now at Disneyland. So if you've ever wanted to know what that looked like, you are now going to be able to do that in person when this section of the park opens. I love that we live in a time where just nerds like us get to experience all these things. I'm telling you, it, it is like a almost like an out-of-body experience when I walked into Galaxy's Edge and saw that Millennium Falcon. And when I saw it, it was early in the morning, six o'clock. It was raining, if you remember that. When we first saw it, it was like a monsoon, but we got there super early at the park with our ponchos, just said, screw it, we're going to go through just so we can get there. So there was all this rain coming down. The Falcon was lit up with all the lights on the Falcon, and it was just, I mean, I just sat there looking at it and just dumbfounded. Like this thing that I've seen countless times throughout my life as a child on the screen, like wondering what it would look like in real life, got to experience it. And the Quinjet now, you know, Hey, reading comics and, and seeing the movies, this is going to be great. You know, obviously, I'm going to love seeing the Quinjet in person. But you know there are kids like like myself or I'm mean, going to say like young adults who grew up seeing this Quinjet in all these series and these movies and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that. And now they get to go and have that same experience that I had. Um, not that I'm not going to have that experience when I go. But, I mean, there was so much nostalgia for the Millennium Falcon that I don't think the Quinjet will be able to take that. But just the fact that it exists, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And... Love the logo for the Spider-Man Web Slingers uh, adventure. Um, that uh, I don't know too much about that ride itself, but when I'm hearing Web Slingers, I think we're going to be on the ride. Actually, I want to say they did say that people are going to be in the carts actually shooting web um, around, whether it's virtual or what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, going to be awesome, man. Disney, Disney Imagineers just continue to bring it with everything they do. If you haven't watched the Imagineering documentary on Disney+, get in there and watch it because it's awesome, especially the very end. Little tease of Spider-Man. They have a like a robot that they launch into the air. It's like this. You can tell. I mean, it's it's going to be Spider-Man. And they shoot it up in the air and it does like a flip and then kind of shoots out its hands as if it's like doing Spider-Man poses. So there's going to be somewhere in this park, probably in this ride, a full-fledged animatronic Spider-Man flying through the air. Not a virtual, a real physical animatronic Spider-Man flying awesome like how is that even a thing it's crazy people crazy all right well let's wrap it up there don't forget this weekend as i was talking about dc this weekend is uh day one on saturday so uh saturday august 22nd starting at 1 p.m eastern is the beginning of the dc fandom uh which of course is the dc big kind of convention or event um uh, they're going to be talking about um uh the new uh, uh arkham games that are coming out the dc uh the new um 
oh God, the new game about the Justice League, where the Justice League kill uh, the Justice League. All that's going to be there as well as all information about the films, television series, the comics, all that bunch of panels. Um, so be sure to check that out. The second day is actually next month. They're kind of doing two parts split between a month. So, uh, But they said, I guess, within 24 hours, there's going to be eight hours of panels and presentations uh, that are going to air uh, three times in the 24-hour period. So the whole thing itself is actually eight hours. So if you get your snacks ready, get all that ready, beginning 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturday, you can just sit down, spend eight hours just in D.C. glory. If you want to do that, you can get into that uh, tomorrow. So uh, with that, everybody, let's wrap it up there. Like I said, this weekend, open beta for Avengers. So if you want to jump in and you've heard me talking about it, you want to tell me, hey, please stop talking about Avengers. Shut up about it. Um, Jump in, play it, check it out. You can now jump in whatever platform you're on. It's open to everyone. And uh, like I said, check out Battletoads if you have Game Pass. I think you'll uh, have a, a fun little ride down Nostalgia Lane and might even find yourself chuckling out loud because it's uh, it's fun. It's definitely a fun game. Uh, don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Turk. That's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. And of course, email me, theenthuselife at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you guys as always. Uh, let me know what you think of Fandom and everything else this weekend. And uh, we will be back next week, of course, on Monday, ready to do it again and uh, ready to talk some DC fandom. I'm sure that's going to take up a lot of the conversation next week for sure. So until then, everybody, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you next time.